You're listening to The Upland Rookie, a podcast presented by Final Rise, Onyx Hunt, Nastra, Gunner Kennels, and Anookshook Professional Dog Food. And you're listening to episode 94 with Addison Edmonds of Gunner Kennels. Nastra, National Shoot to Retrieve Association, one of the best organizations that I have been a part of for the last several years. I highly encourage you to check out Nastra and think about becoming a member today. They have so much, um, so much going for them in the aspects of regional or local trials um, and a great community, a great community of people who are willing to help and support and encourage new dog handlers and then get them enfolded into the sport of upland hunting, dog training, all that goes with it. Final Rise Gear. Guys, this is the best, hands down, upland hunting vest on the market today it was just awarded the 2023 upland hunting vest of the year which is huge check out finalrise.com check out all their products and much more as always check out onxhunt.com onyx hunt is the number one digital mapping tool out there in the world it is going to help open up thousands upon thousands of publicly accessible land for any bird hunter Uh, you're going to get to know state land boundaries public land uh, you name it you're going to get to know crop type tree species the list goes on of what you can do with onyx hunt and heading into a new season here in the fall of 2023 uh, it is going to be a crucial part uh, for your bird hunting success so download onyx hunt today use code rookie 20 to save you 20 percent off your membership at onyx hunt and become an elite member it's just a, the best of the best of the best tier <laughs> there is so uh, onyx elite member tons of benefits that come with it check them out today Anook Shook, professional dog food. You guys know I love Anook Shook. My dogs have been rocking it for several years now and have been performing at their best than they have on any other food brand out there. Uh, Anook Shook is a great family-owned company uh, supporting the upland and bird hunting community, which I absolutely love. Anook Shook professional dog food is a highly dense formula that gives bird dogs exactly what they need to perform in the field on long hunts over the uh, summer training, fall hunts, whatever it might be, uh, Nook Shook has really put the time and effort into crafting a formula uh, that's going to fit your dog and your needs. They have Marine, they have uh, the High 32, 32, they have 3025, they have 2616, you name it, they, they got you covered. So check out AnookShookPro.com. Gunner Kennels. Guys, Gunner Kennels is the best kennel brand on the market. I've personally tested, personally used every kennel brand on the market today. And I have to say Gunner Kennels by far is the most high quality, durable, well thought out and designed kennel there is. Man's best friend deserves man's best kennel. They have brought that into the food crate, orthopedic pads, fans, uh, keep your dogs cool. Um, and then just the little details. The details in their products is second to none. Uh, their kennels, the drain plug, the grippy feet, the handles, the vents, the door, 
uh, gosh, I cannot say enough about the door. <laughs> the door is phenomenal. I love it. Of uh, the latches, the safety latches, you name it. Um, and we're actually going to hear a lot more about that on today's episode. We're going to dive in with the founder of Addison uh, of Addison of Gunner Kennels, Addison Edmonds, uh, and we're going to back up and hear more of his story of how Gunner got started, some of the challenges they went through as a company, and talk dogs, hunting products, and uh, walk you through their journey. Uh, of bringing Gunner Kennels to life. And so really excited to bring you that episode today. I hope everyone's doing well. We got a new bird season about underway here for many of you. Um, I hope everyone is experiencing some new land, uh, just getting out there with your dogs. Uh, Snap a few photos. Would love to see what you all are experiencing and would love to be able to reshare some of those on social media as well. So make sure to tag the Upland Rookie podcast in your photos, your stories, your reels, Whatever it might be, um, we're kicking off a new bird season here and would love to share uh, some of your experiences, some of your highlights, your trials, your uh, challenges, whatever you're, you're going through. Um, would love to see kind of some of those uh, come to life and see what you are experiencing. So, hey, we're going to jump into episode 94 here with Addison Edmonds. Uh, it was a great conversation and uh, it was fun to be able to hear more about the company of Gunner Kennels. And uh, it's, it, it's, a, it's a quality one. I appreciate Addison coming on here and uh, and doing this with us. So here we go, episode ninety four. Been here, Addison. Thanks so much for uh, for jumping on the podcast with me. Uh, super excited to to have you on here. Um, yeah. Can you uh, can you give us a quick overview for those who don't know who you are? Uh, give us a little story of of who 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 is Addison and uh, put us on a map. Where are you talking to us from? Sure. So thanks for having me. Um, my name is Addison Edmonds. I'm I'm here in Nashville, Tennessee, where um, our company Gunner is located. Um, I, I guess it's been like eight or nine years ago. I started working on starting a company called Gunner Kennels. I wanted to make the best travel kennel for my dog Gunner and, um, then start getting into other products, you know, dog products. Cause in my opinion, they're all, um, pretty, pretty poor quality. So, um, you know, we've been doing it for about eight and a half years now. And, um, yeah, I think we've saved a lot of dogs and we've, um, we've worked pretty hard to get here, but we've still got a long way to go. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. No Gunner has been putting out some incredible products over the years. And, uh, I can't believe it's only been, it's only been eight years. You said, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. We launched in 2015. Um, and that was launched the website. We started delivering kennels about now, July, August, um, of 2015. So yeah, right, right around eight years. Yeah. Right on, man. Right on. Well, I'm super excited to unpack more about the company, more about Gunner Kennels, some of the design and thought process behind, uh, the company. Um, but I also want to get to know you a little bit more. Um, talk a little bit about waterfowl versus upland. What's, what's your little bit of your hunting background as far as, uh, waterfowl and upland goes, are you primarily waterfowl guy or, or catch us up on that? Yeah, I'd say primarily waterfowl, but really whatever's in season. Um, I grew up and, and just always wanted to hunt. So, you know, BB guns and doves in the backyard and, and, uh, deer and turkey and, um, a little bit of waterfowl growing up. And then when I got to college at, uh, the university of Mississippi did a lot more waterfowl and that's when I, I got gunner, but, um, I love to hunt and fish whatever, whenever. So, um, I've, I've done more waterfowl, but I've, I've, 
gotten on a, a good um, good number of upland hunts and, and really enjoy it and just seeing how how similar but also very different um, it is from from waterfowl yeah absolutely absolutely uh, back us up even a little bit further was was hunting really a part of your family growing up was it uh, something your your mom mom your dad your grandpa's did like take us back a little bit further where did that passion start to develop for you yeah my um so my mother's father um they had 12 kids and uh he was a big big fisherman but big outdoorsman big big into hunting and fishing he taught me how to fish and um so i had one side of the family that all my cousins and uncles we would go hunting together my dad didn't really hunt growing up so but he knew i wanted to i think it kind of stems from uh just wanting to be john wayne when i was little and wanting to be a cowboy and just always wanted to be outside and so got into you know hunting and fishing very early and just you know great memories growing up with my cousins and and uncles and dad um on different fishing and hunting trips yeah that's awesome. Is, is the, the kind of the outdoor hunting, fishing cultures, that's something now you've, you, you and your kids have gotten into as well. Like, like how's that process been now having your own kids and exposing them to the outdoors and all the yeah. fishing have to offer? Big time. I mean, I, I, you know, I started this company for my dog Gunner. Um, and I kind of, in the back of my head thought I might be able to go on hunts and, and call it work, you know? And so it's very like a, more of a selfish thing just to be able to get on more hunts. But now that we've got four kids, I mean, I've been taking my eight year old, um, I've been taking her hunts since she was three and a half or four and they all love it. We eat a ton of wild game. Um, even when, when they were little, so we had three girls and then a boy and the boys four. So for the first four year, three years of the girls, um, I didn't know we were going to have a boy. So I was kind of forcing them into being tomboys. So, <laughs> Any dark meat we had was deer meat. So they'll go to parties now, like at a birthday party, and be like, do you want anything to eat? My six-year-old will go, do you have any deer meat? Because <laughs> I just think that any dark meat is either deer or duck or dove. But um, I, I truly enjoy, you know, taking them and teaching them. My, my eight-year-old is now at the age where if we go deer hunting and, and we've got some time to talk, like she gets it and we get to look at all the wildlife. And I just think that it's the best way to raise your kids in the outdoors. And so... Um, I mean, my whole goal has gone from a selfish, I want to go hunting to where I want to be able to have some property one day where I can take them, mm -hmm. you know, hunting, fishing anytime. Yeah. Uh, I love, I love when that perspective shifts a little bit when it, when it becomes less yeah. about filling tags or filling limits and all that kind of things. And more about kind of what you said of the experience with your kids and, you know, yeah. you may not have seen a, a bird all day, but you know what, the conversations with the kids and the long drive kind of makes it, kind of makes it worth it. Yeah. Yeah. My, my eight year old Marie, she shot her first Turkey this year. I didn't even shoot a Turkey this year, but she shot one. And, uh, I'm usually not a very emotional guy. We were driving back in the truck and I was trying to tell her, you know, you're always going to remember your first Turkey. And I just started crying and I was like, what are these emotions? Like, <laughs> I don't remember the last time this, so it's exciting. It changed, yeah. man. That's so fun for, for you, uh, Addison, what, what is it about hunting and the outdoor industry? Uh, again, just the nature, animals, wild game, all this stuff. Like, what is it that keeps you coming back? Like what's the, the kind of the driving factor? Is it, is it the connection with, with family and kids and friends? Like what, is, what do you think that is for you, for people in general, even? 
I mean, for me, it's always been, that's my church, like going out and seeing God's glory um, and seeing just how he built everything. So you got to, I mean, that's primarily like I get to reset anytime I'm in the outdoors. It just inspires me to go back and work harder um, so I can do more of it. And um, yeah, I mean, number two is just watching the dog work, um, especially with one that you've you know, that you've trained and being able to kind of see that effort, um, come about. And it's, it turned into, I mean, growing up, it was primarily deer and Turkey. Uh, when I got gunner, got big into waterfowl, and I've always just loved dove season, but, um, it was really whatever I could take gunner on. So if I could take him on a quail hunt, great. You know, he couldn't point, he'd flush me. I mean, but he loved it. Um, sure. uh, and so, uh, yeah, it's, it's, being out in, in nature and and um, kind of just really observing how everything is made and and then number two watching the dogs work. Yeah, I love that, man. Um, we're, we're as, as I know, you're, you're a lab guy. Have have you always had labs? Has that kind of just been your dog? Yeah, I, my first dog was a, a American Chocolate Lab, and then I got a female uh, Chocolate Lab, and then um, with Gunner. Uh, he was a British chocolate lab that, um, when I got him. So I've always been a chocolate lab guy, even so much like they're kind of the underdog in the lab world. Um, and so I kind of, I really liked that. But after he passed away, uh, I've now got Chevy, who's a almost two year old, um, yellow lab, but very red color, you know, um, you switched it up. I switched and I, I wasn't like, extremely excited about it because i wanted a, another chocolate but i also thought it was just time to try something different and um chevy's just his bloodline and his demeanor he's kind of got the full package so i'm excited about that that's awesome i, I know you mentioned bloodlines I, I'm, I'm big in bloodlines and, and breeding history and all that stuff do you get pretty do you get pretty nerdy on on that when you're looking at new dogs and or how much stake do you put in that uh when i'm looking at new dogs so i found uh, the only time that I'm like really concerned about that was with Gunner's bloodline. And then, um, I met somebody who's like, Hey, I started my business because of my dog was like this once in a lifetime dog. And he, you know, I was an engineer. It's Colton Thompson from, uh, makers calls, but he's like, I was an engineer and decided to, you know, make my world around this dog. And he, he's like, I think my dog is a once in a lifetime dog like yours. And I was like, you're from around where I got Gunner. Let me see that dog's bloodline. And, and turns out the that dog that he was talking about had the same parents as Gunner or okay. maybe grandparents. They're very close. But um, and then with uh, with finding a new dog, I was able to find some of the same um, dogs in the bloodline. I think back in the day they were what way overbred for the the good ones. <laughs> I'm and, sure. So they threw a lot of different dogs, but yeah, there's, there's some relation, um, getting, going back to Gunner and so, so Chevy dog. and Gunner have some, some similarity of parents and grandparents, something like that. Yeah. Like pretty far removed, like yeah. as far back as you can tell on the line, but, okay. uh, something, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Um, with, the with the labs again, real quick on those, you mentioned British labs. Have all your labs been British labs or more? The the, so American growing up. And then when I got to college, I had four or five other roommates and I was thinking, man, my 
other labs have always just chewed up everything for the first year. And so I looked into it and it's supposedly British labs had a little bit calmer temperament and didn't really chew as bad. So got Gunner, he was British and, and there was a difference. Right. Um, to me, he really didn't chew on it. I mean, I, I was pretty, um, strict with him, but I give him like an old box of shotgun shells, like the cardboard <laughs> and a, and a, a shed antler. And he'd just chew on that. And, wow. uh, he, t- he chewed on one turkey call and I got onto him and he never really chewed on anything else again. Oh, so okay. ever since then, I've, I've kind of been in that mindset. I love a, a good, big American lab. Sure. There's just something about them, but, um, yeah, I'm probably more of a, a British or English lab guy now. Yeah. I mean, having, having the two different ones now, do, as far as hunting styles go, drive, all that ha- has been any difference there. Um, so my first two growing up didn't really hunt, but I've hunted around a lot of American dogs and um, not much. I mean, the, the American dogs seem to be like slow and steady, like reserved old man kind of feel for the most part. Um, and then there's the Upland dogs that I've been around. I'm sorry, the, the British uh, dogs that I've been around seem to be like very smart and very... Uh, has a high drive, like almost to where they're like a little bit crazy because of the drive, you know, so I don't know. I'm probably going to upset one side <laughs> or the other because the, the reality is no dog's perfect. Yeah. And, you know, uh, a mutt can be the best dog ever. Yeah. And, and so there's, there's pros and cons of both, but I, I do think just the Americans seem a little bit more reserved okay. and that's a good, good thing. Sure. Absolutely. No, they're, they're cool. Cool dogs for sure. Um, but no, when I, whenever I have, again, all, all the time, I'm like one month, I'm looking at labs one month. I'm looking at cockers one month. I'm looking at more Britney's. I'm like, <laughs> you know, it changes. You get excited about a dog and you look into them and, and you go, yeah, they're, they're all different. They all offer something, something unique. And I don't know how you do it. I really don't with, with six kids. <laughs> and I mean, with Chevy, like I wasn't necessarily ready to, I was pretty, I was really bummed when Gunner passed away. So I wasn't ready to like feel that again and but the kids we had a poodle that got ran over like the day before christmas and i just need i was like all right i'm gonna get one but i knew i didn't have time with how busy i am with work so he's in school a lot right now and and, uh, my wife got a um she got a a mutt at a show in colorado a rescue i should say mutt but um named toast and he's just he's a firecracker but i (laughs) like we all have to take care of them. And I don't know how I could add one more thing to take care of <laughs> in terms of getting another dog. Cause I, yeah. you know, I want to do it right. Like their formative years, that first 18 sure. months, two years that that's, that's when they learn. And I guess I'm, I don't know. I'm just not as good of a dog trainer anymore. I don't have the time, or <laughs> yeah. what, but I could, I mean, time's a struggle. It's a struggle. I mean, I, uh, so I'm down to two Britneys now. I had a third and I, uh, sold to a guy down in Arizona and uh, he's doing great down there. It was a good decision. But I was at that point where three dogs and then my life and work and all that stuff right now, three dogs is a little much for me. And uh, so moved on with him. And so two feels like a like a sweet spot. But even them, you know, thinking about, you know, conditioning them for the season, you know, brushing up on some training for them. So it's a it's a struggle for sure. Just the time balance. Yeah. Well, I need to learn some better time <laughs> management skills. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's tough for sure. I was going to ask with Chevy, so your your young dog now. You said almost two, right? Yep. Okay. Have, are you trying to do a lot some of the training yourself? Are you, are you using a pro trainer? Um, what have you been working on this summer? Yeah, I um, 
So the way I looked at it, I, that was kind of why I was more, I, I jumped into getting him so quickly was I was like, if I end up not having the time to train him, I know that um, there's a trainer hour and a half north of here. He's part of the Southern Oak Kennels group and um, Miles Durham. I was like, I've got to back up if I don't have the time. So I trained him for the first few months, really just that basic stuff. And then he would go back and forth. And then when he comes back, you know, I'll spend the first couple of days not really working him, just kind of getting him acclimated, me acclimated because the, the commands are different than what I'm used to. And so I want to make sure that I'm getting that right. Um, we had our first season together last year. He did great. I mean, phenomenal for, I never, I never got a chance to talk with the trainer and like let him train me on how to work Chevy. Sure. So it was kind of his instinct and my, he's probably thinking I speak a different language, but, um, yeah. So when he's back, I mean, we're, he's, he's, I think he's got a hunt test tomorrow actually. Um, and then I get him back on Sunday, but, right um, yeah, just still, I'm a big believer in basic sit, stay in here needs to be the most important. Um, so that's what I'll try to get back into is just the basics with him and then work into, um, different power work and T drill and all that. Sure. That's awesome, man. Um, well, definitely want to dive in some more about the company gunner, some of your products that you guys are, are working on. Um, but I don't think it's, it's, it's probably right to go on any further without talking a little bit about gunner a little bit more. Um, can you catch our listeners up on, on this dog gunner? Um, what did he mean to you? What, what kind of dog was he? And, uh, just give us a little insight on, uh, on the dog gunner. Yeah. So he was my, my main man. I mean, he, I got him my junior year of college and, um, uh, he was, I just got lucky with that dog. He, all he wanted to do was retrieve. And like within the first couple of days, something clicked where I knew how to talk to him in terms of just no, or yes, you did what I asked and here's a retrieve as a reward. And so he, he could do anything, but his drive for, for retrieving was just incredible. Um, and so we, we tore it up. We hunted together all the time when he was just a puppy, you know, I'd bring him to the camp and get him to play with the ducks afterwards and throw him around a little bit. But he, I brought him back to the square in Oxford. Um, and just because he's a puppy, these girls came up and started talking to me. And said, one of them said, uh, I want to introduce you to my nanny. I think you're going to marry her one day. And I was like, <laughs> that's really weird. I'd probably rather not. And so it took a while, but we finally ended up meeting. Lo and behold, we ended up getting married and um, having four kids. So I kind of, uh, selfishly say Gunner's the reason why I have like this, you know, the life that I've got now sure. with an incredible wife and four kids and even just the business. Like, you know, I had an old Remington $60 crate in the back of my truck and I, I, I was, you know, towards the end of college, like I was always thinking about what kind of invention, what kind of product, what would work. Cause I, I knew I wanted to do something with hunting or fishing and, and Gunner was my, kind of everything. If I had any time, it was with Connor. And so, um, the kennel rolled over one day and I was like, I think I can make the best travel dog crate out there. And so that's when I kind of started working on the plans. I'd started an advertising company in college and sold that, used that money to get this started. But, you know, we went on, uh, some incredible hunts together. There was like five times towards the end of his, you know, from ages. So from age, like, eight to 12 every year, I'd be like, Emily, I've got to go on this hunt. This could be his last season. And so I use that excuse for so long. She's finally like, no, he's, 
this is not going to be his last season, but go. Yeah. And, um, I mean, I remember calling her multiple times going, I'm, I could hang it up. He could retire right now. Like we just killed an eight man limit in 30 minutes and he, he did incredible. And just, it, I don't know. It was, he was just a really special dog. And I think we just knew each other without having mm-hmm. to talk. And, um, yeah, that, you know, when they passed away, it just crushed me. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it, but, it wasn't that long ago, right? Yeah, no, uh, about two years ago, two and a half years ago. Um, so, uh, yeah, I took him to work every day and, you know, he, he had, I'm confident saying I've never seen a dog that had that drive. I've seen some better dogs like Gunner wine when it was slow and towards the end, he'd like bark almost if it was slow. (laughs) He's like, come on, let's go. Yeah. He fought other male dogs because one day uh, my buddy's dog was trying to take the bumper from him. It was a black male, male black lab. And he tried to take the bumper from him in the middle of the pond and Gunner almost drowned him. And like oh, from then on, if you see a black dog <laughs> or a male dog, like he'd start growling. And then it just turned into he was always trying to fight other male dogs, oh, wow. which was a little bit annoying. But like his drive and just he could be pretty far away and he could know exactly what I'm trying to say. Uh, you know, it's just special dog. Yeah. That's crazy, man. With, uh, again, with you getting him, you know, it sounds like right out of college or or during college time, were you like, were you doing a lot of the training with him yourself? Were you like, who were you learning from on, on how to train this, this bird dog? Yeah. Yeah. It was all, I mean, it was just, I think I was taking like, I was, I was like on that, coast where I wasn't taking, I was taking the minimum amount of hours. And so I was with him all the time and, um, built him a little kennel going around our house. And, um, I asked the breeder, you know, what should I, what should I use to train him? And he suggested a book. I think it's Vic Barlow's, uh, British training for the American retriever. Hmm. And I, read the puppy, like the first chapter is the puppy phase. And it's all about sit, staying here and being the leader of the pack. Okay. And, uh, I, from there, you know, your, your typical like water dog and, um, uh, Robert Aiken DVD series. Like I would just take a little bit from, you know, from different trainers with what worked best for me. And, um, we didn't get into the, the trials or hunt test. Um, I took him to one when he was a, like little dog. And I was like, man, he, I think he could get this, but I, I was, he was more of a meat dog. Like I didn't care if he cheated, you know, didn't take a straight line and went around a little finger of water to get a bird so he could, you know, save his energy. Um, but he was, um, he was, he was one of those dogs too, where it's like, if I'm hunting with another dog trainer and I'm trying to impress them, it's like, he will flop and totally screw up. He's like, Hey, my dog never, he really never does this. Like he's it's usually a lot better than this. Um, which I think it's just, it's comical because you know, I probably going into the hunt. Oh, Gunner's perfect. You're going to, sure. you're, you're not going to believe how we've good all it. said that. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> we've all said it. We, we take a buddy out. We take someone out with us. We're like, Oh, watch this. My, watch my dog. Yeah. And then they make a fool of you. A fool of you. I think we've actually got some hats coming out that say, my dog never does this. Uh, 
but that's yeah. awesome. That's awesome. Well, uh, let's, let's turn a little bit to the business side, uh, Addison talking a little bit more about Gunner. And you kind of alluded to kind of, it sounds like you saw a problem as far as the crates that were on the market. Uh, talk a little bit more about, you know, what gave you the drive to really then say, okay, I'm going to make a, a brand new kennel that is, you know, what Gunner is today. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot that went into it. Just like all the time I was spending with my dog and hunting and experiences I had with customer service with like different companies. Like I kind of, um, I just kept formulating, you know, how I was going to do this and what I was going to do. And I, I knew I wanted to have the best dog crate, which number one meant the safest. And then just the best features, like a drain plug to be able to drain dirt and actually have the water come out a lockable latch so i'm not worried somebody's going to steal my dog a way to tie it down in the back of my truck you know in case i get in a wreck and so um just kind of had a big to-do list of what the next big thing i had to figure out was and just kind of went went you know down the list every day and um it was pretty frustrating in the beginning when i'm telling people like i'm gonna make you know the best dog kennel ever um, it's probably going to be more expensive, but that wasn't like a goal. Like, uh, it's just, nobody got it. Like everybody's like, why would you? Cause at the time there was a $60 crate or there's a $2,000 aluminum box that takes up your whole back of your truck. And I didn't have $2,000 and I didn't want to use up the whole back of my truck too. So, um, it just, it didn't click with a lot of people, but I, I, I remember explaining to Emily when we were dating and she was just like, I can see it from here. And I'm like, well, can you explain it a little bit? Cause I don't know what it looks like. I'm trying to figure out how to get this thing to look good and be the best dog kennel. But, um, yeah, she's always been just a firm believer in like the, my vision for what this company, um, can be in terms of like, you know, we've made a ton of errors. I'm not an engineer and we've made a ton of errors in, in, in the product, you know, as we go. And so one thing that I've learned is, I wanted to have the best customer service because I was so frustrated with other businesses, customer service. And like, uh, I had a good experience once with Browning and I was like, I'm always going to shoot a Browning shotgun. And, and while, you know, I think that's different now with them, but I still shoot a Browning shotgun because I had such a good experience. And I'm very, yeah. Yeah, So I, I tell our customer service, um, team, like, You've got the freedom to make it right. Whatever you think that means, make it right for somebody that's upset because they trusted us to buy our products. And, you know, we try to make our products. Our kennels are made in America. Most all of our products are made in America. A couple of accessories aren't, but we try to do everything in America and do it the right way. And unfortunately, that costs more. But um, we try to, you know, build our pack in terms of people that are aware of Gunner by trying to make the best dog products and have the best marketing and even the, the best place to work. We, you know, our culture is something that's very important to Emily and I, and, um, you can bring your dog to work and we try to make it a pretty fun environment. Although, you know, the last eight years, everybody's worked like 10 different jobs 24 <laughs> seven, but, um, yeah, we've got some good growth and I think we're on the right track. That's awesome, man. Well, now it's probably a good time as we're kind of talking more about the company, some products and that. I know we got I think Colton joining us. Colton, you still there, man? How's it going? Yeah. Awesome, man. Good. Colton, why don't you introduce yourself real quick for everyone? Yep. I'm Colton Breeding, and I am the product development engineer uh, here at Gunner. Man. I've been here for, I think, around two-ish years, maybe two and a half years or so, and uh, love every day of it. 
Right on, man. Right on. And you got you got uh, a few bird dogs yourself. What do you got? I do. I have two uh, GSDs and two English setters. Right on, man. And Good. they are about an age uh, pretty well. I've got a 12-year-old setter and a 4-year-old setter and then a 5-year-old GSP and an 8-year-old GSP. Okay, so, right on, man. Good. Good, good age, age range. Like I may be, it may be time for the fifth, you know. It seems appropriate now. There you go, man. More dogs, more <laughs> better. Yeah. But no, they're, they're rocking and rolling. They uh, all have very uh, different personalities, of course, you know, especially the setters versus the GSPs, so they cancel each other out yeah. as far as their personalities for sure that's a great balance man well thanks for joining us and we're going to talk a little uh products here in a little bit um gunner or uh gunner uh, addison going back to you man um real quick more on, on, on the company company as you develop this what, what were some maybe some challenges i know you kind of mentioned kind of getting people to understand why they needed a better dog kennel or some other challenges as starting a, a company from nothing basically what were, what were some challenges that you had to overcome uh and maybe the list is too long but <laughs> if you had to yeah, narrow it like down there, there's so many crazy moments. Like, um, I couldn't even, I don't know where to start. I mean, year in into year one, I was doing everything just myself and, uh, customer service, accounting, product development, like manufacturing, <laughs> oh, every, I mean, order fulfillment returns. Uh, I ended up in the hospital with shingles and my board was like you've got to start hiring people and emily started working just because she saw how underwater i was so she she started doing customer service and, and marketing and um yeah so we were a very small there was like three of us for a year or two trying to do everything and then we grew to probably five and eight and then 12 and then um you know then we're right around 30 employees now but it was it was um it's always going to be something where I'm like, okay, we're going to, this is it. We're going to have to shut the doors. And my dad taught me, he started his uh, business uh, 20 some years ago. And he was like, you're always going to have something. You just got to figure out how to get through it. Like every, there's always gonna be something that's going to make you think you're done. This is it. And you just got to keep figuring out. I think we were, you know, we always have had a profitability issue just because I was so obsessed with quality that we never made great margins. So we kind of, we're, we're starting off kind of shooting ourselves in the foot. And so, um, we had trouble keeping up with demand and, you know, sales were always good. Word of mouth, um, references were always good, but yeah, like just sometimes cash got tight and we just figured out a way to make, to make it work. And, um, I'm trying to think of any good hurdles. Like I think one time, <laughs> I was changing manufacturers and the owner. So I own the tools that the kennels are being made of. And the owner said, you know, I'm not giving you your tools back. And I was, we had like hundreds of customers that had already placed the order and we were supposed to switch tools that day. I unloaded my trailer that night. I was like, I'm just going to have to drive 13 hours and go get my tools and bring them to the new manufacturer myself. And, um, thankfully we, we were able to, figure that out in the morning. But I, I mean, it was, uh, oh, it's my livelihood. Like, yeah. it's like, you know, there, there's just, there's been so much, I'm having a hard time pegging it down <laughs> to like one or two good stories, but yeah. it's, you just got to figure it out. And then, you know, hiring the right people has been the biggest 
help of like, I'm not really good at anything. I'm, I'm okay at a little bit of everything, <laughs> but hiring somebody that's great at what they do sure. so that that's less that I've got to focus on. And also we're going to be doing it better now with the right people. Yeah. Um, and, and so you, much you so said, you, said you don't have any engineering background, right? So, so when you're starting to design these kennels, is that where people like Colton come in and, and other design team members just kind of build yeah. those things? Yeah. Like I, I've worked with, uh, with a contract engineer to design it and I kind of walked through what I wanted, all the features, what the kind of theme should be, had the feeling of it. And then we'd start sketching stuff out and I'd say, yes, like the, the top half part, make it look like this and the bottom half, let's change it to that. And kind of just going through like that. And I, I should have taken engineering. I probably would have failed it, but um, I've always been like, just, you know, tinker. Like I can kind of work on anything and I enjoy using my hands. So I've always been somewhat handy, just not a, it's kind of more self-taught. So it's usually going to break within a week or two. If it's something that I do, but um, yeah. That's, that's awesome. Hey, hey, Colton, for you, um, you know, for, for folks out there, maybe we got some new new listeners who are just getting into hunting, bird dogs, all that kind of stuff. Can you catch them up on what makes a gunner kennel a little bit different than in some other brands out there on the market? And like, like Edison said, versus your $60, you know, kennel at a big box store. Yeah. Like, uh, kind of like Addison said, the engineering that went into the back end of it, um, overall material selection and, uh, quality of the manufacturing is something that we really focus on with each and every product. And that's mainly all just customer based. You know, we want our customers to have the most premium product and uh, the most durable and safe product that they can have to use. Um, because you know, when you're spending time, with your dog, whether you're training or just out around the house or traveling, you know, you want them to have uh, the best life, you know, out there for themselves. So you want to be able to provide that. So having the best gear um, is really the first start in that process, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Can you guys, uh, either one of you can answer this question, talk a little bit more about the safety aspect of the gunner kennels. I know that's, I've seen some, some safety testing you guys have done. Um, there's been some, some really cool stories that, that you guys have seen. Um, or, or you guys have yeah. been able to repost and things like that. Talk about the safety aspect of that. Cause I think at least for me, sometimes you don't think about that, but when you see some stories like this happen, some car crashes, things like that, on, guys on hunting trips can make yeah. you think and go, wow, that's, that's a real possibility. Yeah. You, you, so my first objective was like of making the best kennels, make it the safest. And, and I never thought like, this kennel might save other dogs' lives. I was just selfishly like, I want to build a kennel for Gunner where I am not always freaking out while I'm driving, where I can actually comfortably drive knowing I've done everything I can do to provide him with the um, just the best chances of survival if I was to get wrecked. Because nobody ever thinks they're going to get wrecked. Um, so looking at different um, materials, I, I found rotational molding. It's like how a kayak or a... a uh, portable gas tank or a Yeti cooler, you know, those are all roto molded. So, um, engineered a double wall roto molded. Um, I mean, the first time I worked with a designer, I was like, I want a double wall roto molded dog kennel. And he's like, it's impossible. You can't do that. So like, there's been so many times of somebody saying that too. And so the, the safety part of it, you know, I, I knew we wanted to be able to, I put rubber feet on the bottom so it doesn't slide around, tie down pins on the top and then the double wall roto molded, um, plastic, uh, for the body of the kennel. And I found a, um, I wanted to do some crash testing and I found a, 
uh, organization called the Center for Pet Safety who did, they had dummy dogs to do crash tests on and they're all doing harness testing. And I called her up and I said, I'd like to crash test our, our dog kennels. And she just laughed and she said, they're, they don't make a dog kennel that's strong enough to survive these crash tests. They're, wow. they're very, very violent. And I just laughed. I said, well, you've never met a redneck from Tennessee and, and it's game on now. And so <laughs> now, now we have to. Uh, yeah. So I, I sent her up uh, some prototypes and at the time it had a, a wire mesh door. And oh, uh, so, real quick, Edison. So this was before the kennels actually launched. launched even? Yeah. Okay. This was like, I got my first two kennels in the back of my truck, um, but we weren't I wanted to do crash testing first and yeah. still had to do like a lot of work to get it started. So we, um, we did a crash test. The dummy dog just went right through the door. <laughs> I mean, just like a tin foil. Um, and so I started thinking my, so Emily was pregnant. We just sold our first house. We were living in my parents' basement, trying to move into this house where I was also the contractor on it. And I remember being downstairs in, in my parents' basement being like, we need a door frame so it's its own system and we need a uh i've found glass filled injection what's it called glass filled dialogue mm -hmm. and so i just raised some money i was not intending to have to revamp our whole door but i did and it, it i blew through like all of the extra extra buffer that i raised because we did a you know the tooling on that was very expensive but designed it real quick, did another crash test, the dummy dog blew through. Hmm. And I'm like, shit, so what now? And then I thought, well, these rivets on the hinge are aluminum. Let's do stainless steel. Hmm. Blew through again. And I'm thinking, all right, well, it's, it's breaking, it's blowing through at the paddle latch in the middle. Let's put backup latches on the top hmm. and bottom of them. Okay. So we designed that up, made them, crash tested Right before the crash test, I was sick to my stomach. I was like, if this fails, I don't know what I'm going to do because I'm, I'm pretty much out of ideas. And um, lo and behold, it worked. Um, and and so to little pedal, adding uh, the backup. And it was a combination of like the new door, the door frame, the backup latches, the stainless steel rivets. Um, and so when that worked, um, I was like, all right, now we're ready. You know, and we launched and... Um, a few months later, there was a pilot study done by Subaru of America and the Center for Pet Safety where they, they had a crate crash test worthiness study. And they called me up and said, you won top performer. And it put us on Good Morning America and USA Today. And like we got all of this huge press, so much that like I just made this from a hunting dog. <laughs> and that was kind of the brand I was envisioning, but it was going to non-hunting dogs, which was always my vision, but I wanted to start with like that, sure. that, that hunting dog crowd. Um, and then we started getting stories that, Hey, I totaled my truck and the kennel saved my dog's life. And like just recently we had two different people call us that their house burned down and there was a kennel inside and other kennels as well. But the dog and the gunner kennels survived. Now we're not here to say it's like fireproof or anything, sure, sure. but I mean, it's crazy. We've, we probably publish, a, uh, a tenth of the stories of, that we get in. Some of them, there's like investigations and, you know, there's been some very bad wrecks so we can't publish about it from insurance and all that. Sure. But it's wild how many, and, and the rough numbers is, um, 
I think we've done, I think we've got about 75 save stories that we're aware of. Now I'll go out fishing with a buddy and the, and the guide will say, Hey, uh, my best friend has your kennel. He actually got in a wreck and, and mm. saved the dog's life. And I'll be like, well, did he tell us about it? He's like, no. And so there's other sure. wrecks out there, safe stories that we don't even know about, but it's crazy to, to see that happen when I just wanted a better, you know, mode of transportation for my dog yeah. and that it's actually like changing people's, you know, lives because it saved their, saves their dog, you know? Absolutely. And, and the last thing on the, on the safety aspect is, so not just, you, you talked a lot about the door uh, and the dog kind of going through the door and, and securing that. I think, I think I've seen some videos of you guys posted, even like, uh, not, I don't want to say crushing, crushing it. Yeah. The crushing yeah. aspects too. Cause yeah. other kennels will just, I, I've seen flatten like a pancake. And so is that just the, the roto, roto molding or is that, what is that? Yeah. That's like the structural integrity. And that was just I, like the, that. I took it to a testing facility. They had this big vice and I'm like, break this kennel. I want to see how much it'll hold. And I kept breaking the machine at 4,000 pounds. Oh, wow. And so much so that they're like, we're not going to test it anymore because it keeps breaking our machine. <laughs> <laughs> and so, well, that's, that's good for me to know. Yeah. So then that, you know, dropping that big sled on it, that was just to kind of see how tough is this thing. And so I like to do my own tests, like throwing it off a cliff or shooting it with a shotgun and seeing like what, what it can take. But then, um, it's hard to kind of, um, I don't know, publish that stuff. So third-party testing facilities that actually do it correctly sure. with controls, environments, and stuff like that. Like, yeah, we're really big. And even so, like UV testing um, to replicate, like being out in the sun, um, freezing, hot, humidity, like and new products, how much a dog can chew. And, and so we really want to, that was the plan was like, I want to make this dog kennel the safest and most durable and leverage. If we have a name for quality and customer service and making the best products, then I want to go into making all of the products for dogs that you can yeah. make and make the best and, and try to continue that, that name for ourselves that we're trying to build. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you mentioned too the, temperature control. It's one of the things I've, I've really appreciated about, uh, my kennels is, you know, I, I, again, you can probably talk more to this, but is it the thickness or the, the material that, that keeps it pretty darn cool in there when an yeah. early season, September, October, honey, it's, it's, that's something too. Like we definitely talk about how it'll keep your dog warmer in the winter. It's hard to talk about cooler in the summer because you never know the situation if sure. it's an older dog or if they park, like I'll always say park in the shade if you can, yeah. um, you know, just kind of be smart, throw ice in there if it's extremely hot, but it's, it's really, it's a couple things. It's the rubber feet. If, if we're talking about being in the back of a truck, it's the rubber feet that keep it off of that tr uh, truck bed. And then it's the double wall and just thicker and better plastic that that sun and you know, the heat just can't get to as much. So, you put a fan on there, you park in the shade, um, you throw some ice in there, like it's going to stay cool. Yeah. Uh, and, but it's tough to, to really advertise that because I'm just always nervous. Somebody's going to be like, Oh, well it's 115 degrees out here. And my 12 year old dog just, just ran four miles yeah. and should be fine in the parking lot for the next four hours. And like, I just don't, you know, yeah. so still gotta be smart. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, the, uh, the, I'll just say the rubber feet have been 
golden. Those things are are killer. I've uh, I've told my listeners this for a long time. I I have have tried personally every other kennel brand on the market. Um, landed on Gunner and go and went. This is this is the one I'm I'm sticking with. Um, just again, it's all those little details. It's the extra little safety latches, the drain plugs, the feet. Um, and when you see these products in hand, it's it, it makes a difference. That's awesome. I appreciate that. Yeah, I, I appreciate seeing the little things because I think yeah. that's I focus way too much on the little things. Uh, <laughs> it, it, I, I can feel it. So I think your customers yeah. do too. Um, either one, a question for either one of you on this one. Can you guys talk a little bit about importance of kennel size? Um, I get people even reaching out to me a lot of going oh, kennel size. Should I go, should I, I have a 30 pound dog? Should I do the big oh. intermediate or can you talk about that a little bit? Cause I, th- I think there's a misconception on you. People always need a, a really big kennel for their dog to stretch out oh, and all that kind of stuff. Can you guys talk about that? I'm going to let Colton take it after like, well, go ahead, Colton. And then I might finish up. So it's mainly a safety aspect thing, you know, um, in the event of an impact or a crash, something like that, you really want the dog to be um, have a tight fit or a fairly snug fit in his kennel, um, just so he's not moving around too much. You know, in the event of an impact or something like that. Um, you know, at, at home, I would prefer you know a, a a bit larger size of the kennel, you know, for them to space out. But as far as traveling goes, um, you definitely want them to be you know, snug fit for safety. Yeah. And, and gu- I mean, I built the intermediate for gunner. He was a 65 pound chocolate lab. So when there's a dog that's like 85 pounds where it could fit in an intermediate, it could fit in a large kind of depends on height and length and all that. And so that's something that we've, we've tried to be very educational about, but dogs are den animals. They like going in and getting into a small spot. Um, I've seen some Gunner and Chevy, like they'll try to get in a medium when they're definitely not for a medium sized kennel. Like they, they want to ball up, but, um, yeah, what I always tell people, like, if you've got a large dog, that's, you know, over 85 pounds, you know, a large kennel is probably right for you. Um, I put two dogs, Gunner and our other dog goose, both about 60, 65 pounds in an intermediate for shorter trips under four hours. Um, they, I would open up both doors of the kennel in the back of the truck. They both go in one and just sit there. So I'd say, okay, ride together. But yeah, it's all about like, and not only impacts, it's just driving the anywhere. If you're driving and you have to, if you're taking, you know, coming out on a big highway, you got to slam on the gas or you have to slam on the brakes and it's not necessarily a wreck, but just that movement, you don't want them going from the front to the back and have a lot of room to, to build up speed. If you're not a member of NASTRA, National Shoot to Retrieve Association, I'd highly encourage you to check out NASTRA today. Become a member. Check out a local trial near you. I guarantee you're going to find something somewhat close to you. Jump into a great community of people who are going to help you understand the game more, trialing, training of your bird dog, and a whole bunch more. Check out NASTRA today. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that makes sense a lot. That's, that's an important aspect. Um, moving on to a, to a different product that's actually pretty brand new for you guys. Um, I know it's not as, not as grand or as large as a kennel, but, uh, you guys came out with a, new, a brand new bumper, um, which is pretty sweet. I've been, uh, using this with, with my dog Gage. Um, Gage is my, my force fetch dog. Wynn is not. And so she's like, eh, 
<laughs> my God. So I got to, I got to work on force fetching her, but Gage has been loving this thing. Can you guys talk about the brand new bumper and uh, what led you guys to uh, design that? Yeah. I mean, when I, when I started the business, the, when I started the company, the a man's best bumper is what I wrote down on my goal board. Like it was, it was number six out of 35 goals. So it's something that I've been We're wanting talking to do. When you started. So years and years, years ago. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, it was, Eight years. It was in 2015. Emily and our new baby were out of town, and I was down in my shop, and I just took this big four by eight sheet of plywood and wrote out 35 goals. Mm. Anytime I'd check one off, I would drink. Uh, I'd make a glass of um, Bland's bourbon and, and kind of celebrate. <laughs> there you go. So it's everything from like an all weather kit to over 10,000 units in sales, and like it was. It's a lot of lofty goals where sure. I thought if I get any of these, this is going to be pretty cool. But the bumper. Um, I was just frustrated with similar to how I was frustrated with kennels. I was frustrated with low quality bumpers that if you leave it in the yard with the dog for five minutes, they tear it up like that and you can't use it anymore. So the overall kind of durability was my number one. And then similar to the door on the kennel, like it's gotta be the cherry on the top, the rope on the, on any bumper, if they tear the rope off or if it gets old and frays, or it also mildews like that was what we had to figure out next so we we have extremely durable material rope that you can replace or you can remove or you can adjust it to your preference so that um, even if a dog was able to chew up the rope you can still use the bumper and and we can get you a new rope and keep on moving so like the the bumper still operable for puppies you can take the rope off mm. um, and so that was kind of the number two thing. And then just being able to carry a lot of them out to the field. I, I really wanted like some type of a hole that you could put a carabiner through at the end of the a loop yeah. at the end of the rope. And so um, I love the rope. We went through a lot of iterations where, you know, it's got that loop at the end that I thought you'd just stick your finger through. Well, in testing other bumpers and some of those bumpers have knobs at the end of them, yeah. like that's a pretty comfortable way to throw it. So I was like, why can't we have both? And so we did a little half of a knob below that loop so you can use that too. And, yeah. and that's kind of my preferred method is using that, that, um, half of a, of a ball. But, um, it went from there to like, and, and granted dogs, you know, any dog can chew anything up. Um, we try to, you know, we're trying to explain like, if you take care of this bumper, it can last you a really long time. If you leave it out in the yard with the dog, it's it can chew it up, but it'll last longer than others will. And, and um, what we've seen is just the core of the body like will hold together better to where it's still operable. Um, but the shape of it, you know, necking it down in the middle was something that we thought would, would kind of make the dogs naturally want to grab it in the middle for a proper hold. And then also just having the holes in there to be able to breathe more oxygen when retrieving. And I think the, mm. tell me if I'm wrong, I'm glad Colton's on here because I, I've got a terrible memory, but we designed the hole originally for the, um, to be able to breathe. And then I think I was like, Oh, what if we could put feathers in here? And yeah, it, the scent came shortly after. It just naturally yep. fit, and it was like, wow, this is something. Like I hate doing that electrical tape and dump feathers because yeah, yeah. We, like, we've, I, we've I all done it. it, we've all tried it. Yeah, 
and like I hang my bumpers uh, outside of my big kennel, like a big, you know, track supply kennel. And if you've got wings wrapped around the outside, it gets rained on yeah. and they just don't last, you know, after a few uses. So being able to hold them in there and preserve it and seeing it work with dogs and puppies, especially we watched uh, Luke's puppy, his first retrieve ever. He took the rope off, put feathers in it, threw it. The puppy went and got it in the middle and brought it right back to wow. him. It's like, if you keep that rope off of there for long enough, the dog's never going to know anything but grabbing it in the middle. Sure. You know, so it's just used to that versus you see a lot of puppies bringing it back by the rope because it's kind of the easiest easy, thing to easy grab. To grab, yeah. So that's crazy. Yeah. So, that, so that whole scent cavity thing, because on, on the other, the opposite end of where the rope is, you have that little plug almost, right? Yeah. And so that yeah. whole cavity originally wasn't in the thought process until you started thinking about no, the, the center. To make the holes in the center, you had to have that cavity. And so when we 3D printed it, it was like, oh, wow, we can do this. And yeah, that's where then the plug came to keep it in there. And then we started, you know, a big cause of concern was, well, what if somebody does leave this out with their dog and they, and they rip this plug out and choke on it? Mm-hmm. And so we made it, it's like, it's, it's almost frustrating to try to get it out. With just <laughs> I would agree. Nail. I would agree. Because we want, we don't want a dog to be able to pull that out sure. and, and potentially choke on. So we try to, you know, educate on that. Like, Hey, this is a training tool. It's not a, it's not a tug of war toy and it's not something you just leave with your dogs to chew up. Um, because you know, that the last thing we want is if the dog is able to get that. Totally. That, yeah. Which actually the size of it passes like the, the only yeah, there's hazard. specific choking hazard standards for for kids. There's yeah. none on dogs, but it passes that. It does. Oh, wow. Yeah, but very specific cubic size. Yeah, that they uh, recommend as a choking hazard, and this one doesn't qualify. Wow. For that, okay. So, um, awesome. But yeah, the tight fit was very specific um, intention. Yeah. In there, you know, to be hard to get out. Yeah, so. I, I would. I would attest. It's it. Yeah. First couple of times you're like, wait a second, am I doing this wrong? But then once, once you get the hang of it, it you figure it out. Yeah. So would you almost recommend just leaving, you know, let's say someone picks up a couple of bumpers, maybe just stuff one with feathers and just kind of leave it in there for a yeah. little while. Yeah. That's what I do. I mean, um, yeah, I, I leave them in there and I've, I kept a lot of feathers this year for, you know, our bumpers and, and research, but, um, it keeps them a lot longer. I'll tell you that. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, and then the one thing you mentioned Edison was you can re- actually replace the rope. Is that right? And yep. is that, you just, how, <laughs> it's probably really hard to describe on a podcast. So I didn't realize that. And that's, that's pretty cool actually. Cause I was thinking in my mind, I was like, Oh, what if, a, what if this does get chewed up or whatever? Yeah. How, how would one replace that? Yeah. So, um, trying to walk you through this from the rope side where the rope's sticking out of the bumper, uh, if you pull that rope all the way, I think it comes where it's loose, where like the rope can go in, you pull it all the way and it kind of clicks into place. Like you're there and okay. stop. Well, you just push back down on that rope and it pushes the whole, it's, it's a rope with two studs at the end of it with a rope retainer clip. And you take the, the plug off and you push it all the way out. So that rope sticks out enough to where you can take that clip off and then you can pull the rope all the way through. Oh, right on. Okay. That side. And, um, yeah, the, the, the two studs are there so you can adjust it if you want a little bit longer rope, a little bit shorter rope. Um, but then the, honestly, the rope is, 
is more durable. It's like the most durable part on it. Oh, really? And so I think it's going to be, we're seeing a lot of ropes getting chewed up, but that was a concern just because every other bumper's rope gets chewed up. Sure. So, uh, but yeah, you can replace it. I think it's, I think what's come out of it is just being removable for pile work or puppy work or whatever. Like just being able to remove it yeah. has more advantage than, uh, well, we just haven't seen a need to replace it yet. Sure. That's, that's pretty awesome. I saw, um, I think you guys did a, uh, Gunner, I think you guys were at like a trade show not too long ago, right after you released a bumper. And I think you had on social media, you're like, bring us your old bumper and we'll give you, <laughs> give you the new, the new Gunner one. That's yeah. Cool. Do you guys that collect was, a lot I, of old ones? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, we were trying to figure out a way to make that work, like just in general, but the cost of shipping and just the sure. cost of, was like, this doesn't make any sense. And so, the idea was to do it at shows and as That's an cool. activation. And so I think they, they sold out and received a lot of old bumpers really quick because <laughs> they awesome. them, uh, to all two or three days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Okay. That's cool. Hey, just a couple more, a couple more questions on, on the company here. Can you guys talk a little bit more uh, about your, your partnership uh, or, or kind of how, how that works with Ducks Unlimited and, and some of the work you guys are doing with them? Yeah. I mean, going back to like original goals, Ducks Unlimited, I drew up an ad for a magazine, like just sketching it. And it was a Ducks Unlimited edition kennel. I'd always wanted to do that. And I've always wanted to support. We support a a lot of different nonprofits that we talk about and don't talk about. And they're kind of in three veins. Mostly it's, it's, um, conservation because that's, that goes back to the getting kids outdoors and just preserving our, uh, our, our land and, and wildlife. And, um, also we do a lot of, of support for military, um, and making sure, cause I've seen dogs change veterans lives for the better. So we try to support those organizations, but the ducks Unlimited specifically, um, you know, they're right down the road from us in Memphis. And, um, I met with them, I mean, year one, trying to figure out a way to, to work together and, they, you know, we've always had a good relationship. We were just never at a point that we could actually support anybody. Um, we could barely support ourselves. And then, you know, we decided, uh, it's been over a year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We decided, you know, to do a Ducks Unlimited Edition product so that we can support them. And, um, yeah, just, I think there's, I think people can, people all have their favorite conservation organizations, but the reality is they all are doing things for the right reasons. And, um, they, they're, they're great partners in terms of, you know, if we need anything, if they need anything, we, we love helping each other out and, and just proud to be able to support them. And, and, uh, we're a proud sponsor, which is their top tier, um, which just blew me away. Like, I think for the first three months I was pinching myself, like <laughs> it, we're in the, real? we're in the same world as like these gigantic companies, you know, they've got, I think about 10 or a dozen, yeah. Um, I can promise you we're the smallest ones on there. <laughs> but it seems um, like a good fit though. It seems like a natural fit though for you guys to yeah. to be working together. Yeah. And, yeah, and we and, love to Oh, I'm sorry. And how does that work as far as cuz you have you have the is it the green the green edition kennel yep. and, and food crate and all that? Does, does yeah. a portion of proceeds when someone, when someone buys one of those does, does a portion of the proceeds go back right directly to DU? Yep. The national DU and then um we do our flyway series that will, we do different flyways and we find a local chapter and um, a portion of those proceeds will go directly to that chapter. Oh, right on. 
That's awesome. I love that. Um, speaking of the new Flyway series, that yeah, color, what do you call this color now? What's the official name? Susquehanna. Well, no, the name of the color. I guess he's asking the the color flyway. itself. Um, I, we never say what the color is, but it's it's like a chocolate brown. brown. I mean, yeah, it's a. It looks so much better in person. Um, oh, it looks good it looks in the good. photos. It looks real yeah. good. <laughs> but it's the the it, the the flyway. Uh, it's the Susquehanna Flats on the Atlantic Flyway. How do you say that? Uh, Sus- Susquehanna? Susquehanna. Uh, this crazy thing is, Emily, This the Flyway series, her brainchild, the first one she did was Bayou Mita in Arkansas, because that's kind of where I grew up duck hunting. And then it was Los Banos, which you could also say is Los Banos, but that's not the correct way to uh, say it. <laughs> sure. And then... Um, Anawak, and oh, gosh, I was like, all these, all these crazy. I was like, oh, is, there, is a prerequisite that you cannot physically pronounce this? And so, it's been random every time. She finds just great stories about history and heritage of, of waterfowl, oh, wow. and then tries to match the color of the region to the color of the kennel and other products. And um, yeah, it's Susquehanna, Susquehanna. It's probably going to be wrong unless you're from there. <laughs> Um, and then we're all going to get a really bunch cool. of DMs going, this is how you actually pronounce it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. No, but it looks incredible. I just saw it uh, today or the, the day before. Um, it's a, it's a, it, yeah, it's kind of like this, almost like a rust color, a rust orangish brownish. It, it's hard yeah. to describe. But. It's a, I describe it like it's a rich ch- chocolate. I don't know, yeah. not dark chocolate, but like a chocolate. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it, but it's a cool looking brown. It is. It is nice. My, my first thought when I was looking at it, I was like, well, I'm going to have a conversation with my wife and see if, see if I can get permission for a couple, a couple new kennels for Win Engage. Yeah. Oh, but it's, it's pretty cool looking. And then, and that's all, all the Flyway series are tied back into DU, correct? Yeah. The, each local chapter that we do, okay. um, that started before our official partnership with Ducks oh, right to on. do that. Right. On. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, very cool, Addison. Um, Addison, as we, as we kind of wrap this thing up, um, it's been so fun just getting to know. Um, I love getting the kind of sneak peek behind the curtain of, of a company, some of the struggles you've been through, some of the highs and lows, and just kind of behind the scenes. So I appreciate that. Um, but one of the questions I like to ask every guest um, is, is kind of talk to the new hunter out there. Talk to someone who's who's listening to this, just getting into bird dogs, hunting. Uh, what's, a, what's some advice you might give them? Find a a seasoned or a local find somebody that knows what they're doing and see how you can help them and then build a relationship and see if they can help you. Because I, I kind of had to teach myself everything in terms of getting into bow hunting and deer hunting and and just everything that's kind of self-taught. And I can promise you, I'm, I'm not the great white hunter, like, or whatever they say. It's, it's (laughs) like, (laughs) It's uh, it's much better to have somebody that's already made those mistakes and and learn from um, other experience, you know, f- family and stuff like that. But that that'd be my advice: is find somebody that knows what they're doing and and try to build a relationship with them. Yeah, that's great, man. Hey, Colton, I'm going to put you on the spot, man. Um, same right. same question for you. Uh, you know, talking to a to a new hunter out there, someone who's who's just getting into this this, this sport we all love. Um, what's what's a piece of advice you might give them? Absolutely. Great question. Um, I would say for me personally, and, you know, taking into consideration, I'm 26 right now. So, you know, I'm not like 
you know, the seasoned, seasoned veteran. But um, I would say just be patient and focus on um, your craft specifically. So, um, you know, take your time in the field, you know, with your gun dog, have patience um, and really focus on perfecting, um, you know, the specific type of hunt that you want to get good at, you know, your whether it's upland, waterfowl, you know, really just devote yourself to perfecting your craft. Yeah. Yep. That, that's great advice. And, and buy, buy like a dozen gunner bumpers and a gunner kettle. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. There you go. And that, yeah, that's part Kidding. of it. <laughs> good start. Good start. Um, last, uh, last section here, as we uh, bring this thing home, I'll get a couple of rapid fire questions I like to ask every guest. And so, um, feel free, both of you can answer these. We can bounce back and forth. We can just kind of go from there, but, um, gunner, or, um, let's start with you, Addison. I don't know why I keep calling you gunner, man. I'm- it happens all the time. I promise. You call me whatever. Oh, I'm the worst. I am the worst. Um, for you, Addison, what came first, the dog, the gun, or the bird? Uh, the dog, then the gun, then the bird. And that's going back to childhood. Like I first had a chocolate lab. I'd ride him, ride his back like a, like he was a horse and <laughs> then got a BB gun and then shot my first dove and like then was hooked from there. So yeah, right that'd on. be the order. Dog, gun, bird. Okay. Colton, same question for you, man. Who I would honestly probably um, dog bird gun and i say that specifically um, because you know growing up just like addison said you know i was obsessed with the dogs and then soon after i realized that the dog is obsessed with the bird Mm. and then the gun is how i'm going to ultimately make the dog happy and bring that to him um so it kind of worked like that you know i knew the i've realized at an early age that the dog was obsessed with me as well but he was equally as obsessed with the bird. Sure. Um, and that's kind of how I bring happiness to him. It's with the gun. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. Colton, for you, what gun are you carrying into the field and why? That's a tough one. So I'm fortunate now to have um, just a small collection of like, you know, automatics, over unders. But my favorite still to date is one that my dad got me. Just a few years back, uh, it's it was made by Savage Arms, and it's like I think it's called a Stevens Five Five Five. We found it at Cabela's, and uh, it was one of the cheaper over and under options at the time on the shelf. And I don't know how many rounds I've shot out of it. Um, you know, it's it doesn't have like perfect tolerance even anymore. You know, it's like kind of shaky sometimes at the stock. So <laughs> it's still my favorite, actually take it apart, you know, once or twice every season and kind of like I'll laser engrave it and kind of put etchings on it. Kind of like my version of tattoos on the gun. <laughs> there you go. And still my favorite gun. I've got, you know, guns that probably work better than that one, but that's it, usually the one fits I run you well. With. And yeah, that's yeah. awesome. That's awesome. Uh, Addison for you, what, what gun are you carrying what? into the duck blind? Um, so I've got a brown and gold silver now. I had a brown and gold auto from the time I was like 13 till, uh, I mean, I use that for everything. Um, and then once Gunner passed away and the, the gun was really old, but I, you just can't beat it. And, and, 
brown and silver is a little bit more of the upland version but it's it's my go-to it's got the same gut so i can take it apart you know really quick blindfolded if i had to and it's just a i just i like being a little bit different and and i like the customer experience i had with them when i was in college and um so i've stuck with them but yeah i, I just love a brown and gold auto or a brown and gold silver that's awesome and then as what uh if you had to pick one gauge for the rest of your life what what gauge are you shooting I'd say 12 just because if you got, I mean, yeah, I'm more of a meat guy and that's just a way to get more meat. <laughs> there you go. Bring it, bring those big, uh, big birds down. Uh, Addison for you, what, uh, what's your favorite dog breed besides the ones you have owned? So we're thinking outside the box here. Can't go, can't go labs. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've always loved draw thars okay. for what they and how they can do a little bit of everything all the way to, you know, bay and hogs and, and being a hog dog, but it's got, it can do upland, it can be blood trail for deer, it can do waterfowl. So I think they're really cool. And just the whole breeding story. Um, that's the first one that comes to mind. I can list like 10 more, but that's probably the one. I'll yeah. Do, could you ever foresee yourself going, going to a pointing breed like that? Yeah. I mean, one day I'd love to, if I, if I had the time, I'd love to have a, a kennel with, you know, a dozen different dogs and, sure. and be able to hunt them all. So definitely not right now, but <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, Colton for you, uh, favorite bird to hunt and why? Ooh, probably the Bob White quail. Okay. Thing. That came from just growing up in kind of like the Dixie region that I did. And that was, it's, there's no upland birds that are actually readily available around here. Uh, but I think those were kind of the ones that were left over on the old, you know, farms and row crop fields. You know, there's still a few wild cubbies around, you know, that we kind of track and keep up with. So I think the Bob White Quail is definitely my favorite. Right on. Uh, Edison, same question for you. Favorite bird to hunt and why? Uh, it used to be probably a pintail. That's just kind of, for me, that's the lucky one, the gorgeous looking bird and just like hard for the areas that I hunt. There's other areas that you can get them, but a lot easier, but, um, I'm struggling between that or a dove just because that was, I oh, think really? was a dove. And like, I just, there's something about being the fall, getting into hunting season, starting off with a good dove hunt, but also just now with all these kids, taking all my kids on dove hunts. Mm. And so kind of that entry point, um, that just right now having a lot of young kids, sure. I'm, I'm getting them into it with, with dove hunting. So either a pintail or a dove. Yeah. You might be the first guest in, in all these episodes to, to say dove hunt as, or a dove as your, your favorite bird. That's, that's the first here. And I'm, it's weird. I'm a 12 gauge guy I'm <laughs> talking about. Dove yeah. We're just, I mean, we're just, man, you're all over the map here. <laughs> I've always said hit it with a big hammer. I think they're kind of doing it too much with a 12 gauge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. All right. Last, last two questions for you guys. Um, let's go, uh, stick with Edison for here. Um, your go-to snack on a hunting trip. Um, like a Snickers or, a, or just peanut butter crackers. I always oh. have peanut butter crackers or Snickers in my, in my blind bag. And that usually does the trick if I'm getting hungry. <laughs> right on. I can go with a good Snickers. Colton, go-to snack on a hunting trip. Uncrustables. Oh yeah. There we go. 100%. There we go. We, we would get along well. 
every day. <laughs> those, are, those are one of the best. Put those in oh, the, yeah. put those in the coolers. Let them you know defrost a little bit, and yep. those things are money. Um, Colton, uh, beverage of choice after a hunt. Hmm. Depends if it's uh, after a good day of hunting. I like to have cold beer. That's probably my go-to. Yeah, there you go. That tire beer, but I like uh, I like a Coors banquet. Oh yeah, good, good, good old Coors. Yeah. yeah. Addison, beverage of choice after a hunt. If it's upland or a dove, it'd be a cold beer. If it's waterfowl or it's really cold outside, probably like a Weller on the rocks. Um, some you know, good bourbon. Right on, right on. I like how you got categories. Okay, <laughs> you're like <laughs> upland hunt this. <laughs> Yeah, waterfowl. Hot out, you want a beer. If it's cold yep. out, probably. That's true. Yeah. Very different. Yeah. yeah, I get it. I get it. That's awesome, guys. Well, thank you both so much, Colton, Addison. Thanks for jumping on here. Thanks for sharing uh, more about uh, your story. You're getting into hunting, uh, your family, your kids, uh, and again, more about Gunner Kennels. I think it was uh, super fun. So, thanks for doing this. Yeah, thanks for having us. It's great. Absolutely. Absolutely. Anytime. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure we'll be talking soon, and good luck this fall. I know we're, we're getting ready for that September 1st opening, um, so I know a lot of people are excited and uh, counting down the days until hunting season. So yeah. Good luck to you guys this season. Thank you. Yeah, you, you too. too. Thanks. Well, that's a wrap of episode 94 with Addison Edmonds of Gunner Kennels. Edison, thank you so much for jumping on here and giving us a peek behind the curtain, uh, some of the trials and uh, success of Gunner Kennels and what that looked like uh, getting this off the ground. Um, that was an inspiring story of hearing some of the trials that you went through, some of the grinding, and still uh, to this day, the work you guys are putting in there to make the best kennel on the market today and just to see what you guys have grown into as far as new products, accessories, new bumper, uh, all those good things. Uh, I think it's really fun to watch a company grow like that and just just doing things the right way so thank you hey guys that's a wrap for today hope everyone's doing well having fun out there chasing birds make sure to tag the upland rookie podcast in your photos share uh, this episode on instagram facebook uh, share any episode that you like um, share it with a friend that maybe is new to upland hunting maybe someone who uh, needs to hear one of these episodes that would encourage them inspire them in some way or another until next time, go put some miles on those boots and follow your favorite bird dog. Take care. And I just want to thank my sponsors one more time for helping make this podcast possible. Gunner Kennels, Onyx Hunt, Final Rise, Anook Shook Professional Dog Food, and NASTRA, National Shoot to Retrieve Association. I love working with companies who are run by great people who share the same values of bird hunting and outdoors and people and common respect for one another. And so I love partnering with companies like that. That is why the Upland Rookie Podcast partners with those companies. Thank you, guys.